And once again, welcome to the Tory Says Show. It's the 24th of February, uh, 2021. And we're going to start today's show off with a cover um, of the song Praying by Kesha. Well, you almost had me fooled. Told me that I was nothing without you Oh, and after everything you've done I can thank you for how strong I have become Cause you brought the flames and you put me through hell I had to learn how to fight for myself and we both know all the truth I could tell I'll just say this is I wish you farewell I hope you're somewhere praying Praying I hope your soul is changing Changing I hope you find your peace Falling on your knees Praying I'm proud of who I am No more monsters I can breathe again And you said that I was done well, You were wrong and now the best is yet to come Cause I can't make it on my own and I don't need you I found a strength I've never known and I'll bring thunder, I'll bring rain Whoa When I'm finished They won't even know your name You brought the flames and you put me through hell I had to learn how to fight for myself And we both know all the truth I could tell I'll just say this is I wish you farewell I hope you're somewhere praying Praying I hope your soul is changing Changing I hope you find your peace Falling on your knees Praying. Oh, sometimes I pray for you at night. Oh, someday maybe you'll see the light. Oh, some say in life you're gonna get what you give, but some things only God can forgive. Praying. 
I hope everyone is praying because humanity is a very scarce thing these days. We have a lot of people that um, uh, believe that they are allowed to be as nasty and as mean as they are because they have Trump derangement in the environment. Then by I guess that's how they excuse it. Now, um, after we, we're going to be watching um, Millie's documentary, but before we do that, I want you guys to take a listen to this. Former President Trump is set to give his first public appearance since leaving office at CPAC this week. His focus will be on countering China, busting up big tech, and reopening schools. That's according to Trump's former senior advisor, Stephen Miller. Here are the details. The self-described dealmaker plans to lay out an optimistic vision for America at this year's Conservative Political Action Conference. Trump's one-time advisor, Stephen Miller, says Trump will focus in part on standing up to the Chinese regime, reviving U.S. manufacturing and securing the border. Speaking to Fox host Maria Bartiromo, Miller said Trump will describe a vision where schools are open and the border is close to illegal immigration. And Miller compares Trump's vision to Biden's new immigration bill. For the first time, I believe, in human history, this legislation proposes sending applications to previously deported illegal immigrants and giving them the chance to re-enter the country on a rapid path to citizenship. A lot of Trump's points are in direct opposition to Biden's executive orders, his apparently softer stance on China, and his administration's unclear message on when schools will reopen. What's more, former Housing Secretary Ben Carson told the Washington Examiner Trump can, of course, make a comeback in 2024. Carson went on to say it's a good thing Democrats are in control of Congress and the White House because now the public can see what they are trying to do. The former GOP House Speaker Newt Gingrich says Trump is virtually untouchable in the Republican Party and that nobody can fight him. He says McConnell doesn't have a big enough base to fight Trump in the political arena. Trump is set to speak on the last day of CPAC in Orlando, Florida this Sunday. Rasmussen releases a new poll about former President Trump. They ask likely Republican voters if they want the party's leaders to be more like Trump. 73% of the respondents say they do want Republican leaders to be more like Trump. The findings echo results from other recent surveys showing Trump is still extremely popular with Republicans. One, full, one poll finds Republicans consider Trump the greatest U.S. president of all time. Republican leaders opposing Trump put themselves in the line of fire. Five of seven GOP senators voting to convict Trump in the Senate have been censured by members of their party. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell joined anti-Trump Republicans, making a series of recent critical comments. Trump fired back, blaming McConnell's lack of political insight, wisdom, skill, and personality for causing Republicans to lose their Senate majority. Google is taking another swing at former President Trump. YouTube has removed a newly recorded interview with Trump from its platform. YouTube says the February 17th interview was removed for violating the site's community guidelines. That's according to what a Newsmax spokesperson told the Epoch Times. A YouTube spokesperson also confirmed those details, telling the Epoch Times the video was taken down in accordance with its presidential election integrity policy, adding that the site enforces those guidelines, quote, regardless of speaker and without regard to political viewpoints. The California-based company says the policies aim to prevent spam, scams, and deceptive practices. One of the latest was put in place last year amid election controversy. YouTube said the new policy would remove content that, quote, misleads people by alleging that widespread fraud or errors changed the outcome of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. 
During the Newsmax interview, Trump alleged he won the 2020 election, among other assertions. Newsmax later posted a video of host Greg Kelly, who interviewed Trump. That video summarizes and plays portions of the Trump interview. It remains live on YouTube. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio reverses his decision to immediately close two ice rinks run by the Trump administration organization. This comes after Eric Trump calls out the mayor for punishing New York children. De Blasio's office says the popular rinks will stay open for the rest of the season. He says New York City kids deserve all the time on the ice they can get this year. Eric Trump responded, tweeting, You've just made countless New York City families, along with our 250 employees, incredibly happy. But the person that was skating on the rink that's uh, managed and kept by the Trump campaign was tackled and attacked. It is a coup d'etat. I told you that the Democrat Party is not that of the poor, not that of the needy, not that of those that are in, uh, you know, the ghetto, in the slums, not that of any such things. They are the party of the elite. They are the party of the 1%. They are the party of the royals. That is who the Democrats represent because those are the ones that are fighting for them. And you can see it. They are the supremacists. Supremacists above all. Above all. You are nothing to them. They are willing to kill you, to destroy you, right? to win and maintain control because the movie tonight that we're going to watch is going to be a great precursor to understand what we will be discussing tomorrow. Now, um, I will say that right now we have uh, the CIA director nominee William Burns, who is not, 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 not a, um, good person to have in there undergoing Senate confirmation. Um, this is where the demons take over the world scene. Um, but we're going to jump into Millie Weaver's um, documentary that was exceptionally done. This has taken a lot of work. Uh, remember to follow her on Twitch as well. She's going to be on there more regularly now um, as they're working on uh, Shadowgate 3 and other projects. Um, so please enjoy. And um, I'll be pausing um, occasionally because uh, it's quite self-explanatory to remind you how we were talking about this over a year ago, even two. Had the storming of the Capitol not occurred, this second impeachment would have not happened and evidence of alleged election fraud would have been presented. What happened on January 6th was planned well in advance as part of a contingency intent on ruining President Trump's chances for staying in office. Remember my report, election night coup d'etat? The thumbnail shows the U.S. Capitol on fire. Back in October, I had leaked a tactical map that was obtained from inside these leftist organizations and protest groups and recorded Zoom chats talking about taking over buildings in Washington, D.C. to prevent President Trump from remaining president under any circumstances. Group number five, that's capital disruption. You are going to have two minutes to tell us 
what your plans are. Could be gathering outside the perimeter, um, perhaps taking mass direct action to physically challenge that perimeter or cross barriers or defy the curfew in mass, um, providing physical defense of threats of crowd boys or anyone else filming and documenting, making sure that whatever's happening in DC is being shared with the world and that when we say oh, the world is watching, we can actually be literal. All of this prior to the election. Some of the stuff that shut down DC is doing, some of the ways we're thinking about this that could be replicated in cities across the country. We've been working on a target map and a framework for scenario. You can actually see they have the Capitol lined out as a target zone for activities. I think we don't have a lot of experience taking over government buildings. We might need to think about that. And I know, as I, you know, I said earlier how you know, we may find ourselves in the streets with people with different tactics than ours. But like, there may be some people that are willing to break the windows to get into the government buildings. Like, if that's what we need to do, then we shouldn't fight about that. Let's do that. Over the summer, predictive program models like the Transition Integrity Project laid out four possible outcomes of the 2020 election. All four possible outcomes had one of the other candidates winning with neither candidate conceding. The model leaned towards how to secure a Biden win given any one of the four scenarios, all in the name of defending democracy. This same predictive model was used by leftist organizations to role play out the various scenarios through simulation exercises. I think we're going to start uh, with our election simulation timeline to a meltdown today. Is everybody ready? We're going to read out a brief scenario and then develop a plan based on that scenario. So the teams are based on, loosely based on, uh, you know, similar organizations in our real, real world. We have Liberty City Antifa. We have Capital Disruption. Lincoln Project senior advisor Michael Steele was a leading figure in the Transitional Integrity Project, the source of the predictive models used to war game out how to secure a Biden win. Group number two, the Nixon Project, you're, you're, the floor is yours. Our strategic point of intervention, because we are prominent Republicans, we are first going to approach the mainstream media and to also lean into our networks that we will use positions of corporate prominence to lock out all Republicans, including those on the Trump team from future corporate jobs, media interviews, etc. They practice with participants ranging from activist federal employees in senior executive services positions to protest agitators. Everything from choose democracy to hold the line, um, to shut down, uh, we count on us. I listed a few of those um, in the slides earlier, but you know they're the ones who are really in the vanguard of helping people think about, uh, interpret red lines, um, and think about different actions that can be taken well beyond kind of street protests and demonstrations. I'm gonna go in thinking Antifa is going to be in coalition but doing its thing and being on the radical end but part of the package making sure that we're naming what is happening as a coup totally agreed in the shutdown dc conversations that i've been having and that's not on the federal side we um also are often saying like, call it a coup it's a coup don't let anyone tell you it's not from bureaucratic slowdown tactics to agent provocateur tactics, they were working together in unison towards a common goal, a Biden win regardless of any one of the four possible scenarios. We should be clear, like 
Just gotta go. Trump's gotta go. Throughout the fall of 2020, predictive headlines about Trump staging a coup during the election started circulating. Headlines were predicting Trump plans a white supremacist coup against a Biden win. What the president is doing here is the most explicit that he has been about his plans for this election. He's plotting in open and public repeatedly a coup. Leftist organizers were planning their so-called counter coup against President Trump. How were they able to plan against a coup that hadn't happened yet? Based off of an election result that no one would have predicted, yet miraculously they knew which states were going to be contested. Oh, wow. How amazing. How did they get the precise election results they needed to match their predictive election response that they've been planning, practicing, and role-playing? As I've mentioned before, AFL-CIO whistleblowers provided sworn statements that union leadership mobilized union members at polling locations for the purpose of election working. That doctor I gave you is their playbook. Why were they sending it? The shadow campaign was so bold, they couldn't help but brag about it in a Time magazine article. The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. Actually, they probably saved it on a hard drive months ahead of time. A well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage and control flow of information. I'm going to stop it right there. So if you remember uh, from early spring, I was uh, throwing up flags, how they're all penning uh, everyone into, you know, they're like guiding everyone into the pen. And um, so that, that, that's why in March of 2020, once I saw that they were actually hard on this um, control of virus train, I sent um, a... Uh, intelligence analysis report, if you want to call it, that I made myself. And it was when I was really, really busy right before my birthday, uh, because after I saw Nancy Pelosi's um, speech in San Francisco, remember the one that I said was very important, where she was like, no, everybody come out. Let's all get together. You remember that one? Okay. Um, and where I told you what this virus was, I sent a report out. I sent it to the Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, the White House itself, and um, uh, the DOD. Now, the reason that I sent it out, knowing that it was going to fall on deaf ears, is um, two-pronged. One, that it would have gotten into the right hands accidentally because God wanted it to happen. Or two, that they know that I know, and if I know, others know, right? And 
in there, I uh, put down uh, unions. I had uh, saw that um, there were a couple unions uh, involved. I saw the movements of Ali Akbar and his well-known associates. Um, I also saw that um, specific PR firms were making big moves and with the changes of uh, the UN and Interpol in South Africa, and I'll get to that at the end of the show, um, it was quite important uh, that I bring awareness to this. And someone will say, well, how did you? Well, you'll see. Um, because if you've been listening to my shows for over three years and reading my writings on various platforms, you'd know that I knew way ahead. I knew their plan so far ahead that admittedly, and it's, I actually took a job and I got paid to infiltrate them. No one paid me to infiltrate them. I infiltrated them and they paid me while I was infiltrating them and they had no idea. They had no idea because I knew exactly what was coming from about a decade ago, a decade ago. Why? Because I, that's a story for another time. Let's continue. They were not rigging the election. They were fortifying it. They even referenced data-driven strategies and the AFL-CIO's involvement in mobilization at polling centers. More people voted than were even registered to vote. More people voted than are even adults in the U.S. of A. But we're supposed to believe that, right? Right up until opportunists started storming the Capitol, Trump was well within the Constitution. There was time and plenty of legal remedies available to justify not conceding. We had the moral high ground. The cyber and legal teams announced having watched in live time the expected techniques of hacking election machines and use of counterfeit ballots during the Georgia runoff election. As we caught it live last time in real time, how the machines contributed to that fraud. They put those ballots in a secret folder in the machines, sitting there waiting until they know how many they need. And then the machine, after the close of polls, we now know who's voted and we know who hasn't. And I can now, in that machine, match those unvoted ballots with an unvoted voter and put them together in the machine. We saw it happen in real time last night and it happened on November 3rd as well. Enough data, expert testimony, and witnesses had surfaced that an increasing number of representatives were willing to have the evidence presented over the next few days. Over the next 10 days, we get to see the machines that are crooked, the ballots that are fraudulent, and if we're wrong, we will be made fools of. But if we're right, a lot of them will go to jail. There were states' legislatures who were already sending letters saying that they wanted the slates to be sent back. That now, after they had reviewed the evidence, after they had heard the witness testimonies regarding election fraud and meddling, they were actually requesting the slates back so that they could then do a new hearing. But all of that got wrecked. They were able to use this new data to corroborate their initial data from the November 3rd election. 
The Senate and House joint session to certify the election had just started to hear objections. Are there any objections to counting the certificate of vote? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots for Arizona. An objection presented in writing and signed by both a representative and a senator complies with the law. Chapter 1 of Title 3 of the United States Code. The clerk will report the objection. The two houses will withdraw from joint session. Each house will deliberate separately on the pending objection and report its decision back to the joint session. When all of the sudden, right on cue, they had to go into recess due to the storming of the Capitol. Now here's where you're going to get pissed off because no one saw this and you need to understand it. Those elections were going to be the objections were going to be heard and the election was going to be overturned. The people that stormed the Capitol fucked that up. You can thank Alex Jones. You can thank Ali Akbar. You can thank all of them, right? Because they were just about to do it and they gave them an excuse not to. A sorry, sad, bullshit excuse. Still an excuse. So I said this on the day. <laughs> on the day. And you have to think, those people that stormed the Capitol, the Proud Boys, not all of them, because it only takes a few to mess it up, the Groypers, Antifa, Ali Akbar, Alex Jones, with his Groypers, right? That's his group. <laughs> they all fucked it up for everyone. You understand? They were just about to stop the certification, and guess what? They stormed the Capitol. That's what you missed. Yet people are still praising these idiots. People are still watching their shows. People are still funding their stupid asses when you should be casting them aside and not looking back at all. That's the thing. It was happening, and they destroyed it. They destroyed it. But, 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 no matter how much fury you have, and this is probably, this is why I was so disheartened on January 5th. I got this massive headache. I sat there. I, um... I I did my little thing, and I remember Patrick Berge was in my hotel room. Um, we were getting ready to go down to the event um, quite early on January 5th, and I said, damn, this is not going to work out well. Ali Akbar is here in full force. He goes, well, you know, lots of these jihadis, they really don't care, you know, <laughs> puffing away with his usual self, you know, the way he is. And, um, you know, I was just like, I just can't, I can't, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to be part of that and I'm going to be paying attention and I'm going to get the right video footage. I'm going to get the right pictures and I'm going to gather, 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 because there will be a day when they will not get away with it, obviously. Um, you know, Patrick was like, Tori, you're one person. I said, nah, man. We're 120 million strong. You'll see. He's like, well, you know, his usual, well, you know, just gather, gather, gather. And it 
totally hurt my heart when I saw what was going to be happening. The um, immense disinformation. I mean, you know, even people that were fighting for us were swayed. Okay, they were swayed. I mean, Ali Akbar introduced General Flynn, my good friend, General Flynn. Surprised he didn't have a dagger right there to stab him right in the heart. Because if General Flynn knew what he was doing, he would have been so pissed, so pissed. But you know, if so and so is with him, I guess he's okay. That's the problem. Rather than them see. Remember how much flack General Flynn got when he um, was first attacked and put in a box? Tons of it. So much came out. Pat Jack Posobiec started attacking him. He lied, right? But everybody forgot about that, right? <laughs> everybody forgot about all that stuff. Because it's like, ah, oh, that's buried in the past. Don't worry about it. Right? They were, they were not paying attention. They thought, they felt, they, they, they're only human. Okay, they're human. And all they saw was that so many people, you know, promoted him that he couldn't be bad. I mean, look at what he's done. He's done nothing. He hijacked the movement. He's been paid to cause this insurgency and fuck shit up. But you're only like five people saying that. Why would I listen to you? You have problems with the attorney general in North Dakota. You were arrested, God knows why, Million Gavin. And Patrick, nobody talks about you, and we shouldn't be talking about the shadow net. It's wrong that you filed an OIG complaint. I'm just saying these are the responses people were getting. If you were so good at what you did or, you know, the things that you were saying, you would have been put on a pedestal. No, that's not the way it works. Truth wears a crown in the end when evil is dead, right? In the meantime, truth is pushed down. Truth is smacked around. Truth is maimed and hung and drug through the mud. Nobody ever wants to see truth. They want to see garments, pretty garments, right? Skin. They don't want to see the light. They want to see skin. Your skin, not the light. That's why. And so even really good people were tricked. And that's because people like you were tricked and you were promoting these people. That's the way it is. So you have to understand that they're only human. They're only human, right? You know, I, I reached out to tons of reporters. Like, why the hell do you have Ali Akbar on there? Like, epic times. Like, what the... Like, seriously, he's the leader of the movement. Who paid you? Let me guess. Robert Karen. We should talk about that clown. He's like everywhere. Um, Psyop extraordinaire. Um, <clears throat> so think about it. They all were tricked. Good people were tricked. And they forget how much, how much attack they got when they stood up tall. And not only that, did they attack, you know, all these people fighting for you. Like, so let's bring, for example, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, General Fred, and they were fighting for you. What did they do? They started dividing them with bullshit. So-and-so doesn't like so-and-so. So-and-so doesn't like so-and-so. So, I mean, look at Brad Pascal. <laughs> Their PSYOP worked so well, they chucked him to the corner. And Katrina Pearson, corner. They 
divide you because united you're strong divided you fall you know everybody had yeah you're this you're that it's like stop why don't you just get naked get naked be real where's the reality here there's no real because they divided everyone they were able to conquer and those that divided them were the people that you follow you follow them. You give them power. How many of you are like, well, I'm just following them because I want to see what they're saying. No. Remove them from your life. Cut them out. Look at your growth. Find your flow. Without you following them, they've got absolutely nothing. Without you, they have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not even one leg to stand on. Not even one. That's the way it is for all these decoders. Shame on them. They're supposedly giving you love and light, but they didn't tell you about Shadowgate because you know what? If Shadowgate was out there, we wouldn't be here right now having this conversation. If it had gotten the traction it needed, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. We would not be here having this conversation. In retrospect, I want you to see who exactly is looking out for the good of the people and who is looking out for the good of themselves. This is where you see it. So when you see people looking out for the good of the people, they don't care where it's coming from. If they don't like Millie Weaver because she's pretty or they don't like Tori because she'll call you out or I don't know who Tori is. Who gives a shit? My information is 100%. People like me don't exist. You are not on my level. I am not on yours. That's the way it is. If the information is good, you put it out there. That's what real journalists do. That is what real journalism is. To put the information out, not giving a fuck whose feelings you hurt. Because if you don't put it out, then people die. Then people get locked in their homes. Then people lose their voice and they're censored. But all of these idiots you subscribe to have been doing nothing for the people. They've been doing, I do it for the people. Look at me. I was knocked out. Knocked out for what? Using somebody else's work? And talking about it like it's yours? What? There is no shame in using somebody else's work. Because we're supposed to be fighting together. But when you choose not to speak of truths, that means you knowingly and willingly withheld that information on your big ass platforms. And you are just as guilty as those people that raided that capital. Just as guilty. Just as guilty. And you know what? You may have short-term enjoyed that, but guess what? It's coming right to bite you in the ass. Because when your Patreons start to fall, when your subscribers start to fall, and they see who is for America, because there's very few, that's when you wake up and you realize that you may have started whatever you started for the right reasons, but you got caught up. You got caught up with your pretentiousness, with the I know. I don't give a shit who you have on your show. People are like, why don't you have this person to interview? Huh? Why would I? Do I need someone to do a show with me? If I bring someone to interview 
right? It's because I want you to listen in on our conversations. I have interview conversations all the freaking time with people they wish they could text and talk to. But I don't need to broadcast that because that's not helping. So I'm not here to tell you who's good and bad. I'm here to tell you to pay attention how all this information has been out there for a year and then some. And nobody wanted to talk about it because it didn't come from Q the way they wanted it. They wanted Q to put it on the board for them. They wanted to spell it out, hijack or not. They needed it spelled out, right? Or they needed some guy with a long beard and a staff to come in and say it. The president was talking my speak. The president was speaking Millie speak. The president was speaking Gavin speak. The president was speaking my counterpart speak. The president was speaking Bergie speak. The president was speaking Joe's speech. The president was speaking Marie's speech. That's what the president was speaking. Wasn't speaking your speak. Because truth is truth. Truth is truth. And to sit there and think you know what you're talking about. To sit there and strangulate truth because you don't want to eat humble pie. Well, thank you. Because this happened because of you. And this is what the people need to take home. This is what the people need to take home. That the position they are in is because you weren't reporting things. You weren't giving the people information so that they are aware and they can act on it. You did it. Why? Because if it was solved, you wouldn't be making money. Without objection, the chair declares the house in recess pursuant to clause 12B of rule one. While everyone was focused on the storming of the U.S. Capitol, the then Director of National Security, John Ratcliffe, wrote his views on intelligence community election security analysis, raising concerns about the intelligence community downplaying China having interfered in the 2020 election. Had the riot not taken place, Radcliffe had the political momentum and opportunity to show how China interfered in the 2020 election to the benefit of Biden and Harris, while evidence would have been presented in the House. Basically, Radcliffe's report says that a bunch of these CIA analysts were so biased against Trump that even though they saw all the evidence of China election interference, they chose to just downplay it and ignore it and write it off. Let that sink in. Who benefited from the violence of January 6th? Clearly not President Trump nor his supporters. House managers, nine of them will walk the article of impeachment charging President Trump with incitement of insurrection. Donald John Trump engaged in high crimes and misdemeanors by inciting violence against the government of the United States in that, on January 6, 2021. President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. There is no future uh, with Trumpism. The rhinos and neocon establishment Republicans who wanted to get rid of their party of Trumpism benefit in not having to support Trump by contesting the vote. January 6th gave them an excuse to accept the election results that they wanted. 
For instance, Marsha Blackburn first said, I cannot in good conscience turn a blind eye to the countless allegations of voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. On January 6th, I will vote in favor of objecting to the certification of the Electoral College results. Then on January 6th, after the storming of the Capitol, she said, I will vote in support of certifying the Electoral College result. Wow, as though countless allegations of voter fraud magically disappeared because some idiots decided to storm the Capitol and disrupt her ability to object to the certification of the Electoral College results. The Democrats benefited the most because they, after all, were in a position to seize ultimate power. All they needed was an excuse to attack Trump for not conceding the election. Because at the end of the day, the establishment controls people within both parties. Both parties and all media, alternative, independent, right, left, upside down, curly, spiral, polka dot. No one gives a shit. They own everything. Everybody has a price. Look at all of them creating their little foxholes. Look, the bottom line is people need truth. They knowingly suffocated information. Did you see Shadowgate came out and on the day it was released, Millie was arrested. Uh, suddenly a judge signed an order that the attorney general himself wrote right? The same person that I'm up against wrote it himself. And the judge just signed it and it had a bunch of bullshit in it. Huh? All default, you know, uh, procedural bullshit. And president Trump's brother dies. And then that video gets millions of views and it gets banned on every single global platform, global platform. Not one journalist spoke about it. Not one. And then weeks later, late, weeks later, Zoom calls were released showing federal and plan. Before that, we had other Zoom calls where they were planning the insurrection, right? None of them spoke about it because it came from Millie Weaver. That's just Alex Jones. <laughs> so nobody was listening. Have you watched Millie Weaver's playlist clues? Nobody was listening. No one was paying attention. And the journalists that were paying attention, because they watch everything, everything, right? Everything. <laughs> Kept their mouth shut. Your independent journalists with their fancy YouTube, you know, whatever streams and whatnot and their parlors and their chit chats and look at me with my huge following, I'm going to disappoint all of them and not bring facts to the surface because, because what? Are you going to tell the world that you were so spiteful that you didn't give it? No, it's because you were in on it. No one can fathom that you can be a patriot yet such a spiteful human being. That's the thing. How spiteful are you? So spiteful that you will allow your nation to burn? Yeah, I don't think so. That's not what a patriot is.
And so, you know, calling people out, Scott Adams from Red State Talk Radio, not Dilbert Scott Adams, he had issues with me in February when Paul Preston, Mr. New California, was like, she's she's getting too um, into, you know, predicting this stuff. And she's talking about this flu like it's going to happen. And yeah, you know, nah, nah, nah. and we started not talking. And then suddenly... All my data is deleted. I'm booted from the channel when he got a shit ton of money to put up ads. And then when he suffocated his income because he was such a tool, right? Not only that, people that wrote for me flipped on me because they were working with people like Ali Akbar, right? And I have no problem if they're working with them because they'll figure it out. They flipped on me too, working with Ali Akbar. And, and, and all I did was show them love. I, I start everyone at a hundred percent and they sold their country out. But you know, obviously when Scott lost money on his radio station, he hired those, uh, you know, the decoders, what is it? Um, what's his name? Uh, shadow, um, groove and matrix to fill my slot. So he can bring back listeners and then brought in Ann Vandersteel to bring back listeners when he works for the left. So they're on leftist stations because they care about funding the things. See, when you're saying the truth, people will pay you to give them the truth. I don't have a lot of subscribers on my subscribe star. I have uh, subscribers on my Twitch. And you know what that helps me do? Make sure that I can investigate. Make sure that I can put my website on. Make sure that I don't have to take all the contracts that I do. So that just enough, it's giving me just enough to keep doing what I'm doing. Not more. Just enough. So everyone needs to understand that when you're doing good, good will remain and be able to be done, be able to be done easily because good always wins. Good always finds a way penny to penny. Guys, I kid you not. The other day I got a tip from someone and I had to pay for my um, restream thing. And it's like a couple hundred dollars. Right. And I had to pay for that. And I was like, great. And I was in that account that I pay for it, I was short $20. So I was like, oh, reminder to move money from my checking account over there. Boom. It was already there. I didn't have to think about it because someone had done it. Someone had done it. And I was like, see, truth is funded by itself. You don't have to go seek it. It comes. It comes. And this is why Millie was able to do this work. She wasn't putting out videos and snazzy things and random things, but it was funded because she had her subscribers. You know, she had this, she has the support of the people because people want to know the truth. God always wants his word to be heard. And no matter how many times you step it down, how many times you choke it down, it will come out sooner or later. And you who put your foot on silencing truth will be shown to the world. All of you. All of you that are waiting like idiots for me to say something somewhere else so that you can jump on it and say, oh, we're back. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. And hopefully, I feel a drop coming on, but I won't. Maybe. I don't know. Thinking about it. This was already in our hands. We already had all this information. We could have avoided this situation and the people that had the platforms and the voice 
to put it out there, remain silent. Let me tell you something. When you see someone getting beaten, beaten up and someone's just standing there watching, who do you hate more? The person beating the person up or the person just standing there and watching? Be honest. The bystander, the guy videotaping it, the guy walking by and pretending it's not there. That's it. That's who you hate more. So how many of these people that are claiming are patriots told you about this information that was out there and none of them better say, oh, I didn't know about it because I got texts and DMs where we be talking. So again, think about it. How many of them told you about it? How many of them pointed it out? How many of them made noise to be heard because they had the ability? Some of them had quarter million followers. How many of them put it out there for you? Zero. And see, even though um, Millie Weaver has half a million, you know, almost half a million people on YouTube, they still suffocated her. Even though she had a quarter million on Twitter, they still suffocated her. Even though I had like 70,000 on one account, 80 on another, 150 on my first one, 1,000 followers, I was still suffocated. Because those that were profiting off of you being enslaved stayed silent. And then those that came in pretending that they're patriots, pretending that they're giving you truth, pretending that they're here for you, let me tell you the plan. You don't know shit. I'll show you how I knew the plan from 10 years ago by the end of this series. That's where it's going to blow your mind. How I knew how this was coming. No one else did. I did. Well, no, other people did. Team is <laughs> quite expansive. But you have to think about it. How is it that, you know, none of them knew about it? They did. They just didn't tell you. Because... They won't make money like that. If they give credit to someone else, that means their followers are going to look at them instead of them thinking, I should tell them because it's important that people know the truth. No, it's not about that. It's about them. So you should start asking questions to all those people. What have you done for America? What have you, why didn't you talk about this? And, and if any of them come back to you and say, I never spoke to her, I didn't follow her, let me know. You can find me on Telegram. I'll look through my DMs and my chats from all my accounts, right? And I'll let you know when they did, right? Because they all knew. They all freaking knew. They just played dumb. They didn't want you to know. It's an IIA. Gotta hand it to the ones that did this one. Flip that narrative around, wag the dog on steroids. They accomplished that goal. Let's take a look at those being blamed for organizing the storming of the Capitol. Apparently, the FBI needs your help identifying people, even though they have some of the most advanced facial recognition technology. The Capitol grounds has state-of-the-art surveillance equipment, but we need low-resolution images taken from social media and you to figure out who's who. So this is an FBI bulletin seeking information on these people. They're probably looking for the people that they have already face ID'd and know that they're just regular Americans. So I go through the, the, the clear channel, but watch the next one that comes through. This guy's a freaking contractor.
So I want you to understand what she said here. So the FBI is asking you and me to go through our footage to tell them how we can identify this person. So then that way, you know what happens? They already know who these people are, but they don't know who you are. They don't know if you were there. They don't know how connected you are to them. So they already know that dude in the red hat who's a contractor. Definitely. I could probably say this guy has been to Serbia. Just saying. Maybe it's just a really good guess. Just a really good guess he's been in Serbia as a contractor. Probably under L3, just saying, just randomly saying. They have the best face recognition so good in America that they can identify people in Belgium. Remember the Belgian bomber? How the FBI was able to find his face? Wait a minute, but he's Belgium. How do you have his face? Nobody's talking about that. That's where I come in. Because we got that system over in Europe. So this is the thing. They were trying to get to you, asking you to provide information to them. You know all the information that people sent me? I stripped of metadata and then sent it to friends that had FBI recognition programs. Better than the FBI, some Israeli company. <laughs> but, you know, they needed you to tell them. Because you remember how it goes one level, one level? So I'm looking at Joe in the hat. And then Tori comes along. Oh, yeah, I know him. Uh, you know, we, we're neighbors. Oh, yeah, what's your address? Okay. So now they're surveilling me since we're neighbors and we're really good friends. And I just told them that. And then from me, they're going to get all my airline tickets, my text messages with secret subpoenas. And then they're going to look at all the other people I communicate with. You see where that goes? Yeah, we're just, um, we're going to go check the video right now to see. Let's have a look at some of the never before seen footage and evidence put together by witness testimony and expert analysis from back in mid-January. I'm Millie Weaver. I'm an investigative journalist and we're going to be going over John Sullivan, the BLM Antifa agent provocateur that was inside the Capitol on January 6th, not by himself, but with his friends. Now, this is an article dating back to July 10th, 2020 from Deseret.com out of Utah, which shows John Sullivan was arrested at a protest in Provo, accused of rioting and making threats. John Sullivan was one of the organizers of this protest in Utah. During the course of the protest, two handguns were brandished and two shots fired toward a motorist traveling. On. So we can skip over this because remember on January 7th, uh, 8th, 9th, 10th, around that time, all I did was show you all this information um, and the videos of how, uh, you know, he was teaching people how to do guns um, and how uh, all of these things were put together. Um, here's the, the, the videos, um, you know, how he was in three shootings. He just happened to be there with a camera for three shootings, remember? Um, now, I'm going to stop right here at this one, Cindy Shafian, right? She worked for the um, uh, uh, Women for America First, and then on December 20th, decided to create the 80% the coalition. And as America for the Women for America First, she was booking all the permits, right? But she didn't tell, you know, the women for America first that she was doing this. And then she hijacked their rally and got the permits in her name. So she led this to include all of these people, right? She did it. And guess who submitted the list? James Sullivan. <laughs> 
John Sullivan's brother. And who was leading that? Ali Alexander. And this is how it was done. You see that? This person wasn't supposed to be there. She wasn't supposed to be there. It was supposed to be Women for America First. She was part of Women for America First. On December 20th, in a very stealthy way, she registered this coalition and got the permit in her name while Women for America First thought it was in their name. Oh, wait. Are you talking about a hijack on a hijack? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And then all these people came with Ali Alexander. <laughs> How interesting. Defense. I sought power. I sought power and influence. If we did not fill the gap, I'm convinced that Trump would have uh, already conceded. That's Ali. Alexander has launched a Stop the Steal website seeking donations and claiming he doesn't have time to start a stupid nonprofit or LLC. So just send him the money. Here is the official site, StolenElection.us. So this is from Kylie uh, Jane Kremer, who works with the campaign. She's for Women for Trump. She's incredible. The actual event organizers were Women for America first. They were the ones who had the permits. I don't want any permits for a First Amendment movement. According to Alexander, if it weren't for the movement, there would have been a huge disconnect between the American people and the issue of election fraud. Ali and his associates would piggyback their events and try to claim ownership. He's taken all her events, like where they're going, what they're doing, hijacked the hashtag, created a website of the hashtag so that you can go to StopTheSteal.us and pay them money. And when you click donate, it goes straight to him, to his cash app, to his Bitcoin, to his PayPal. It's not going to the president. It's going to him. He's a fraud. I'm not making money from this. I'm not making money from this. This guy is a thief. How much money are you making? On Excuse me. Zero. Zero. I'm dedicating my time. Remember, I had said this right before it happened, right? I had contacted the Women for America first um, right before, right after, the day after the elections. I had put that video out right after the elections. I had communicated it to the Trump campaign. I had put it forward and I said, he, the stop the steal, right? U.S. that the girls had started, he took the hashtag and he made it into a website. And then he would take all the people that they were booking and putting it on his website. And then people would RSVP. So he would take their data. He knew their names, their addresses, their credit card number, everything, everything, everything. And then, you know, I have people saying, why are you so upset? He's a freaking jihadi. I told that to him in his face. I knew about this over a year ago. And what gets me upset is that people are like, you're just salty because he was talking smack about you. I'm not salty. I've been around that. I've had that rodeo. I rode that rodeo so many times. It's like cakewalk. I really don't care what anyone has to say about me. That's what's up. This guy is a fraud and he is the reason we are in this place. You understand that? He is the reason. See, this is November when I said it. In December, they had already planned. Incognito, right before Christmas, let's register a new coalition. And while I have all the money and attention on me to get these permits, I'm going to get them under this coalition, not under Women for First, uh, uh, Women for America First. They hijacked the Women for America First movement. They were riding on their damn buses. They were getting 
paid and fed from there. Oh my gosh. You guys have no idea. And Ali Akbar threw money at this chick. And that chick, Cindy, was also renting rooms at the Willard so we can have high level intelligence meetings until I said, what the f Get her out. Get her out. Can you not see this? I sat into one of them and I was sitting there and I was like, what the heck is going on? I went straight to the top and I said, get her out. She's the one that let them penetrate this. And she's the one that let them come in on the insurrection. Get her out. Why are we meeting in rooms that she is renting? That's what's up. Because we knew. And see, all of us, part of Team America, the quantum intelligence group, we all have different strengths. Kudos to Millie Weaver and Gavin because they've got great, great abilities to put things on video like no other. And my company's team. How do we know that with all the money that's going to your private account? They're not donors. Since Alexander's money is going to him, he doesn't have to report how he spends it. Organized and motivated by lies is turning out real protesters. The potential beginning of a new, powerful, and easily manipulated political movement. With other known agitators, Ali had been organizing protests inside Capitol buildings in other states. It was apparent that he was planning to do a siege on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Revolution! Revolution! Using other state capitals for practice dry runs. We're all actors, but I want to direct and act. He says he's a Trump supporter, right? Trump, would you shut up? Would you shut up? Rhetorically, Trump was retarded. Trump was just annoying. Well, that's exactly how you would do it. Think about it. Stop the Steal is not just a political movement. It's not just a, it's not even a Trump movement. It's not a Trump movement. You become the face of your enemy so that when the media demonizes you, they're actually demonizing your enemy. Slick. Shadowgate 2.0 called out Ali Akbar months ago, prior to January 6th. And I go shopping for money from billionaires. And a lot of times these billionaires give me money to go do what I want to do to find out information. They call me the hammer sometimes. And you're about to find out why. Did Ali plays behind the curtain? Posting videos titled Stop the Steal Takes Over Georgia Capital isn't that cryptic. It became obvious that Ali was leading people to storm the Capitol on January 6th. I want to say something. I don't disavow this. I do not denounce this. This is completely peaceful, looks like so far. And there are a couple of agitators that I obviously don't endorse, but this is completely peaceful. But Ali wasn't the only one involved in subverting the president's rally. We have three different sources that were able to separately identify. So, um, with, um, you know, when this happened, when all of this happened, I just wanted to say, we were submitting reports, as Millie said, she was putting together her report for the White House. Uh, we did a paper report as well, which is uh, this report that I submitted on, um, I don't remember the exact date. I want to show it to you. Yeah, that was part of it. Um, let me skim through this. I will find it if my phone stops ringing. <laughs> Give me a second. So, 
this insurgency was done by people that wanted to capitalize on a Biden administration. This was actually sent um, to the White House and inside was how there were foreign and domestic funded assets, um, domestic terror, um, and one of the pages, as you saw, were um, the one on Ali Razak, Abdul, Abdul Razak Akbar. I want to show it to you. Because quit, quit the nonsense. Quantum intelligence group is... Um, is on it, has been on it. Here it is. So this is just the bullet points of that section and how it would come down, um, you know, how they were putting it together, how um, he was hijacking other people's clout to move in. Um, and, you know, he's part of the Lincoln Project. Uh, that's all inside. These are just kind of just bullet points. This is how this insurrection happened. And this is, um, obviously, we know they got arrested. Um, I'm just going to take it further down. She did such a great job. I just want to show you just how he worked and milked this. It's just terrible to see that people didn't realize um, what he was doing. And there are people, like I see his telegram group with people supporting him. And I'm just like, what the hell? Where's Cassandra Fairbanks, who swore by Enrique Tario? Take a listen. Tifa, then the whole situation starts to turn on its head. Proud Boys leader Enrique Taro, the one instructing the Proud Boys to show up in DC, dressed as Antifa, turned out to be an FBI informant. A federal prosecutor, Ontario's old lawyer and an FBI agent said it helped local law enforcement and federal law enforcement. They said it had repeatedly gone undercover. So um, it, it raised a lot of questions. It, it talked about him as a, as a cooperator, an extensive cooperator. It, uh, in the transcript, his, his, his lawyer calls him a, a prolific cooperator. Did you hear that? Let me just say it again. He turned out to be an FBI informant. He's been somebody who's been on law enforcement's radar for a long time, but apparently is quite the cooperator and uh, an informant. Yeah, sure sounds like it. Co-intel pro much. Not many people know that the Panthers got some of their first weapons from a man named Richard Aoki. And nobody knew that Aoki was an informant for the FBI. I was told in my research that during this period of time, you actually worked for the FBI. They tell you that? An informant rep would report on the inner workings of an organization. They can keep you up to date on the thinking of the leadership of the organization, whether it's going this way, that way. Someone like Aoki is perfect to be in a Black Panther Party. <laughs> He's in the Black Panther Party. Nobody's going to guess that he might be an informant. Here he is explaining how we shouldn't read into him having been outed as an FBI informant. An informant is somebody that does it uh, by their own free will. They're not facing any charges or Remember, this is being aired on InfoWars, um, where they have the Groypers, the other group that was involved in the insurgency. Anything, And uh, I did. So the, the story is semi-true. The story's been blown out of proportion. Why didn't this story come out two years ago? This is something that I've been 
incredibly transparent about throughout the whole process. Obviously, I didn't go into details because that's nobody's business. They probably brought it up now because the prosecutor needed to know about Tario being an informant in relation to his current charges. The only time that I've ever, and again, I'm open about this, the only time I'm ever in co uh, communications with law enforcement is when we're going to have these big rallies. DC Metro picked him up for carrying two high-capacity rifle magazines into Washington, DC, of all places, and admitting to a sale. What? Are you kidding me? Like, gun, gun owners know, one, you don't bring guns into DC, and two, what, you're admitting that you're going to sell it to someone? Now, by the way, I was actually at the airport outside having a cigarette in D.C. when they rolled up <laughs> to get him. I was actually like physically there having a cigarette. Like, no joke. I was like right there. And then when I got to my hotel, um, Matt Couch was there. He was like, yeah, I'm on the phone with the attorney because they got him because of the flag. And I was like, yeah, are you sure about that? He's like, yeah, totally. It was because of the burning of the flag. I was like, all right. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to get to my hotel room. Are you kidding me? That sounds like a cover story to me. Maybe he was going to set someone up for an illegal sale and turn them into an informant. According to the criminal complaint, which was written a day before the January 6th riot, they asked him about posts he had made on Parler instructing Proud Boys in large numbers to dress incognito like Antifa. So let me get this straight. Tario an informant, is caught transporting with intent to sell felonious possession of an illegal firearm accessory in the most anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment area in America, where there's a historically large gathering of people with a high potential for civil unrest, not like the riots in D.C. having a thing throughout 2020. And just to say, you know what I just thought of? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed this. But um, I'm actually going to text this to Millie when I say this. But every single time we were in D.C. throughout November and December, we always ran into Enrique Tario's brother. He would always like scooter by us, you know, stop by us. And then people would be like, you don't know who he is. I played dumb all the time. And it's like all of them would be like walking wherever we were uh, randomly. That was really odd. I just remembered that. Tario is planning in advance with a large number of guys known for getting into street brawls to wear disguises so their political opponents can't recognize them. Not to mention, the media was already reporting that Proud Boys were planning to dress like Antifa on January 6th. But the whole thing's Trump's fault, right? President Trump disavowed the Proud Boys several times. I don't know who the Proud Boys are. I mean, you'll have to give me a definition because I really don't know who they are. I can only say they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. I condemn the Proud Boys. I don't know much about the Proud Boys, almost nothing, but I condemn that. No matter how many times he disavowed them, the mainstream media still misreports that he hadn't. Meanwhile, Biden was campaigning on it. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden sent this message. My message to the Proud Boys and every other white supremacist group is cease and desist. Almost as if the media and Biden's campaign were in on a little secret. So why on earth didn't they barricade the place? What did they expect? He's plotting in open and public repeatedly a coup. Oh, that's right. They expected them to do this. 
because it was part of the plan. This was bait, right? Because there was no plan here. There was no plan here. They're like, okay, uh... Just like Charlottesville, we see far-left and far-right groups working together, but this time storming the Capitol in a concerted effort. Hello? Hey, is this Jason? Who's calling? This is Millie Weaver. We ran into each other at the, the rally yesterday, the march. Oh, yeah. Hey, Millie. What happened um, at the Capitol building seemed somewhat similar to what happened at Charlottesville. Yeah, it did. I saw some some weird stuff there, and I do think that there may be something to the idea that the police uh, let the people uh, in. But I, I think that, I mean, they basically let them in to set them up. We literally have Proud Boys, Black Lives Matter, Groypers, and Antifa working together, creating mayhem at the Capitol. It was a who's who of social media influencers known for instigating trouble. Notice the Proud Boys who are being criminally charged, organized on the other side of the Capitol, having nothing to do with the Save America March. Look at all of these guys, many of which are Proud Boys. Notice the orange beanies, or what about the orange tape? Clearly, they are using orange as an indication that they are on the orange team. Now, before you see that, I just wanted to remind you how in the summer and in the fall, I was pointing out Ollie's stupid little orange squares and how I was talking about the orange revolution and how I've said many, 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 many many times. Two times of elections in Ukraine, I ran the bitches. Like, how many times do I have to say it? Cartwheel anyone? Notice the orange team was instrumental in breaking through police barricades to get inside the Capitol. For quite a while, Ali has been pushing the color orange. Everything from saying 2020 was the year of orange, to selling orange shirts, to calling himself the orange prophet, to wearing orange in association with the Stop the Steal movement. He even wore all orange on January 5th at the pregame rally, so to speak, for January 6th rally. Give us what we want, or we are going to shut this country down. If they arrest Enrique Torrio, then no one's leaving D.C., are we? Our government should be afraid. I didn't say I was going to go joker mode. I didn't say I became an accelerationist. It was Ali Akbar Alexander who also started the website wildprotest.com, where the same list of speakers James Sullivan handed over to the Women for America First organizers can be found. This website, which was all in Ali's name, has since conveniently been taken down, only available on archive.org. Notice it is the same location where the alleged Proud Boys with distinct orange markings also organized. This appears to be a setup, a honeypot trap for those who showed up at this location, for those on the speaking list, and for those who donated significant money to this event so they could be blamed for storming the Capitol on January 6th. Ali never had a stage nor held any of the speaking events. 
Ali also made sure not to be anywhere near this location when the orange team started busting through police barricades. Wait, before you guys see this, so this is January 5th that you're going to see, but I did tell you about the orange squares, and when Pelosi wore orange, I told you she just gave them the go-ahead signal. This is how they work. And the thing is, Alex Jones is so stupid. Like, you would have thought, but I guess he's hitting the sauce and knocking back whatever, right, along with his assets that are in there like Rob Dew. Rob Dew's his handler. Like, how can nobody see that? His family are part of the agency. Like, so dumb. So freaking dumb. So dumb. So, so dumb. So you have to think. They had rolled up Roger Stone in there, General Flynn in there, Alex Jones in there, the whole nine yards, so they can blame it on them. That's what they did. And Rob, do, 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 do. Kind of like the lady that, that is supposedly Ali Akbar's mom, Lydia Do. <laughs> right? She's his lawyer, too. And she runs all his foundations and vice for victory, blah, 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 blah. So all of these people, like Roger Stone, they're going to get him this time. Because they got him linked to Ali Akbar. Ali Akbar, they're going to sacrifice me. He'll have a party in jail. You know, he, he likes that kind of stuff. So I'm just saying. So this is Ali Akbar trying to get into an event. As you could see, Daniel Bostic, who runs Cultures there too. And then this guy in the plaid, which is uh, his hired bodyguard, right? So people were paying for him to have a bodyguard. So all his little butt boys are there. And he's asking to get in and he couldn't get in. Bergie got in right away. Um, he didn't have credentials. He's like, I have the stage for 3.30. I want to go in, right? And that's where Patrick Bergie confronted him. He's like, yo, you want to say what you said to my face? Say it to my face. He ran off like a scared little, you know, tiny prancer that he is. That coffee was for me, by the way. <laughs> So Patrick had popped out to Starbucks to get us coffee. Did you see his face? How happy he is? He was like, come on, man. What are you doing? You want to talk? You want to talk smack? Do it to my face. So, um, you know, uh, what Ali Akbar did to Millie, Gavin, her brother, me, my kids, not only him, Alex Jones and Caitlin Bennett, again, you guys have the power to make them powerless. And that's by unfollowing them and letting them know how you feel. Because these are the people that they work with. The people that created this event, right? They did this. They stormed the Capitol. They coordinated it. They wanted to take Trump out more than the Democrats. That's what they did. And I don't want to hear this. But your followings and your contributions help them do it. Even our whistleblowers were drawing attention to Ali and his associates on Twitter having an orange block next to their names in what appeared as a color revolution tactic hearkening to Ukraine's orange revolution.
In this photo taken at the Capitol during the January 6th event, you can see Sergei Dubinin, a Ukrainian protester and agitator that can also be seen in photographs taken during the second battle at Donetsk airport in Ukraine. What are Ukrainians that participated in an armed revolution in Ukraine doing inside the United States Capitol? You have to ask yourself, is it because the same people that were behind the Ukrainian revolution are also behind the storming of the Capitol? Rewind 15 years, Manafort was brought onto Ukraine's political scene as the country was still dealing with the fallout from the 2004 Orange Revolution. Hundreds of thousands of pro-democracy Ukrainians in the streets today protested against the results of the presidential election. The Orange Revolution in Ukraine resulted from a controversial presidential election where there was alleged massive election fraud and corruption. Take a look at these color flags. Notice that yellow and black are colors used to indicate anarcho-capitalism. Who else has that flag? All right. Liberty Hangout does. Can you pay attention? Symbolism, like I've said in the past, will be their downfall. Can you see it now? Can you see it now? Can you hear me now? And notice that black and red are colors used to indicate anarcho-communism, which we often see Antifa having flags that are red and black. Notice we also see the Proud Boys running around wearing outfits that are yellow and black. Enrique even mentions on his parlor posts that black and yellow are their colors. Notice the color for mutualism, which is mutual anarchy. That is orange because orange is a mixture of red and yellow. So why then are we seeing this orange movement where you see people wearing orange beanies and orange markings and Ali Akbar with his little orange squad. Ooh, look Give at that. What we want or we are gonna shut this country down. Engaging in what some might say was a, an act of anarchy. I mean, down with the government, right? Not to mention Gavin McInnes act of treason. Can you see it? I've said this before. While everyone looks at symbolism of eyes and numbers, you got to think of it as colors. I've told you, symbolism will be their downfall. The founder of Proud Boys was a self-proclaimed anarchist. I'm not a conservative. I'm the same anarchist punk I was when I was 18. And he co-founded Vice, the left-wing media outlet that continuously does propaganda pieces against conservatives. So if you have Proud Boys and Antifa, BLM people, working mutually together towards a common goal. I think that, yes, there will be more violence. We out there strapped. We out there ready to burn that shit down. We'll light like the whole shit on fire. I mean, isn't that mutualism? I mean, and in that case, orange would be their color.
The psychological warfare specialists constantly hone their skills, developing messages with advanced computer graphics, reproducing them on high-speed presses, or using satellite feeds or the internet to disseminate them around the world. My name's Patrick Berge. From 2007 to 2010, I helped in pioneering uh, what was... Uh... I just want to show you what he's showing you is the tip of the spear. This is MPRI. Just so that people understand what that means, what tip of the spear really meant. Then a new tech, a new, a new uh, weapon capability for the Force Psychological Operations Group called IIA, or Interactive Internet Activities, that's its military nomenclature. Basically, social media psychological warfare applications that are designed to uh, micro-target the assets that you have on the ground. This, just so you know, is supposedly top secret, declassified now. Um, but this is how they target you. And this is done via AI, just so you understand. And I was just pointing out that this is called, uh, this is MPI, uh, MPRI, tip of the spear, just in case people needed to know what that meant, <laughs> because a lot of people thought it meant something else, like, oh, we're just at the tip of it, like in the information. No, this is what it meant. Ground and provide a common operational picture for the mist or for the, uh, the, the military uh, information guys on the ground. Ended up uh, massively expanding it as soon as President Obama took office. In 2009, uh, I worked for General James Jones. I answered directly to his son for the company called Dynology. Worked eight years for them from 2007 to 2015. And what we did is we took the application uh, that we had built overseas, taxpayer funded. Uh, we kept the intellectual property rights for it. We trademarked it under the trademark name of the ShadowNet. And then we made it commercially available to use in the United States, which I specifically spoke with. Uh, Jim Jones, General Jones's son, uh, on the marketing of uh, influencing U.S. elections. Robert Bragg is investigating a psychological operations officer who led a group of people from North Carolina to the rally in D.C. This individual from the Force Psychological Operations Group, the same unit I worked with and deployed with in Iraq, is wanted for her actions in the Capitol on the 6th. That was the same unit. I worked for developing the shadow net. While being in DC, I've observed members of the 91st Cyber. Have you guys read my um, affidavit that I uh, submitted um, with Sidney Powell's case? Yeah, I kind of reference 91st Cyber Brigade in there. Just pointing that out. Just pointing that out. Tip of the spear. Think about it. How many different versions of this did you find in here? Um, it is. Here's where, um, you know, Rudy Giuliani is pretty much talking about um, Ali Akbar. You should listen to it. And um, it's quite interesting. I know that Steve Bannon wanted the soundbite, though. I don't make him wrong for it. But Rudy knew. They all knew we were there. We were there. And um, we had to suffer two months of jumping through hurdles that this information should have been there. You know, should have been there. Should have been there. Rudy Giuliani recently made some interesting statements on Steve Bannon's war room about Trump's impeachment defense. The defense 
is going to have to show that this thing was planned and that a lot of the people involved in the planning, Antifa, and then even some right-wing groups were enemies of his, and that they were doing it in order to hurt him, uh, including some right-wing groups that operate for the, for, for the Lincoln Project or have been, have been working with the Lincoln Project at various times. You have a couple of wolves and sheep. Hold, hold sheep it. Hang clothing. on. Hang on. What, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what do you say working for the Lincoln Project, right-wing groups like who? One of the people who organized this is well-known for having worked the Lincoln Project in the past. And also, also, okay, there but are, who, there are who is it? But today. I, 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 I today that he yo, helped to bring. Yo, yo, let me finish this. Okay. So there, Go ahead. there, one of the people involved brought in right-wing groups that opposed Trump. And he brought them in specifically because he wanted to blow this thing up. Rudy's comment angered the Lincoln Project so much that they're now suing him over it. So let's have trial by combat. Giuliani tried to lay the blame for the Capitol riot among, uh, with, among others, the Lincoln Project, the anti-Trump conservative organization. It won't be a frivolous lawsuit. I mean, what he said was ludicrous, was, was untrue, was defamatory. And if we can sue him, we're going to sue him. What Rudy just said is very true. If he's talking about Ali Akbar Alexander, Ali and the co-founders of the Lincoln Project have been in each other's orbits for almost an entire decade. They had all previously worked with each other in John McCain's 2008 campaign. Steve Schmidt, one of the founders of the Lincoln Project, is a longtime Republican strategist and ran John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign. Veteran Republican strategist John Weaver, who also worked with McCain. And Ali Akbar, a member of the Republican National Convention floor operations team. Well, as a party, we stand unified behind uh, John McCain. I did do some work for the John McCain campaign. What is the Lincoln Project? I looked at that and I'm like, okay, this is just an IA operation. George Conway is the, the founder, one of the founders of the Lincoln Project. But as soon as I scrolled down below his name, everybody on there were like former McCain campaign people, McCain analysts, all these people from McCain in 08. Berge was the information assurance security officer with above top secret clearance for over a decade. When I came back from the Iraq contract in 2008, the day of the debate between uh, McCain and Obama, Dynology was doing John McCain's IT security and social and everything. You have these connections to John McCain's campaign. When I say campaign, like the 2008 campaign. So you have all of these people tied together, organized tactical, psychological operations being committed upon President Trump. You've got all of these people that have taken these tools that were developed by the Department of Defense and using them to attack one individual. They are, in a very organized, tactical fashion, attacking our president. According to Berge, Ali Akbar and the Lincoln Project are assets of the same psychological operation, recognized through their tactics, personas, and deconfliction. And so in 2007, there was about 20 of us that were building websites, doing email marketing, social media, creating uh, uh, profiles and interfacing with that. I mean, now there's like 4,000 of us. Um, and I don't really do digital anymore, but I helped pioneer that field. And then immediately after that, 
We're creating the Tea Party in 2009, 2010. We have a huge electoral win. So I get kind of swept up from doing my industry work to becoming this figure who can broker deals between the establishment and the grassroots. I've just been on this wave of influence and power. And uh, the reason I'm able to build something like the Stop Steel movement is I know everybody in this country. They're all assets in the Rolodex for domestic irregular. But he obviously didn't know me because people like me don't exist. And this is why he was so upset. It's your job, people of America, to let Ali Akbar, the Proud Boys, the Groypers, Antifa, Caitlin Bennett, and all of them that orchestrated this event, let them know how you feel. Because they were going to return the slate of electors back to the states and they stopped that they did that their warfare to influence and control elections lincoln project co-founder john weaver was the executive director of the republican party of texas overseeing ali akbar's not Mitt Romney campaign to help fellow Texan and Governor Rick Perry during the 2012 primaries. Later, Ollie was a social media staffer for Mitt Romney's campaign after the 2012 primary, working with Lincoln Project's other co-founders, Stuart Stevens and Rick Wilson. Ollie Akbar. But more than that, Lincoln Project is quite literally a protege of the Lincoln Group, the notorious PSYOP. What have we been saying all this time? This is why it's important that you use your power. We are in an industry of consumerism. Consumerism on all facts. <laughs> what you don't see is that you're the product being consumed. For some reason, they have you tickled and distracted thinking that you're the consumer. <laughs> when it's the other way around, they are consuming you. So to all those people that you follow so digitally, you should send them an email with this video and say these people... Millie Weaver, Tori, Berge, for over a year have been presenting this information and we could have stopped what happened. Why weren't you reporting that? You want to tell me that you look at the truth. Are you going to tell me you didn't see it? I want your response. Tell me why you didn't report it. I want you, I want to hear it. Ask them to give you an honest. That's where you can see. And their response <laughs> will tell you everything you need to know. That's what you need to see because then you're going to be able to discern that the age of discernment is upon you because it is the year of disappointment. And this is how it begins with discernment. You need to discern who is for America and who is not. Here's what the Lincoln Project did. Hold on, let's take it back. So remember, I keep saying. Mm, linking project, linking group, right? Interchangeably, because they are the same thing. More than that, Lincoln Project is quite literally a protege of the Lincoln Group, the notorious PSYOP defense contractor project ran by neocon campaign managers who got busted paying journalists to push fake news. Lincoln Project isn't much different from Cambridge Analytica either. Let's not forget Shadowgate exposed that Cambridge Analytica was a frame-up job, a failed honeypot trap for President Trump that took out a lot of people around Trump. Shadowgate 2.0 exposed that Ali Akbar Alexander was a Cambridge Analytica asset. I'm more connected to Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica is a company 
that Bob Mercer owned. Bob Mercer has given me money in the past to conduct, um, you know, certain political operations. Lincoln Project was openly running psyops on the president of the United States, Donald Trump, and American citizens. Stephen Schmidt, co-founder of the Lincoln Project and former campaign manager of John McCain in 2008, is quoted by the New Yorker saying, the audience of one ads that aimed to destabilize Trump were akin to a military psyop. You've got a loyalty problem. Loyalty. Before you see this, I want you to think, because I'm looking at the chat and people are like, well, so-and-so talked about this. So-and-so talks shit about Millie. So-and-so talks shit about Tori. So-and-so doesn't bring the truth forward. They have done the same thing. What you're going to see now is that your alternative media, your supposedly truth tellers, right, have been doing exactly what this video was doing to what they were doing to President Trump, they were doing to you. They infiltrated the movement. They're loyal to Trump <laughs> as long as he brings them money. Because I told you that about Mark Levin too, right? They're loyal to this as long as it brings them money. As long as they're making money, they're loyal to things. The minute it isn't, they're gone. Um, and all of, uh, you know, I see a lot of messages. Hey, Tori, has so-and-so reached out? Maybe. <laughs> But the ones that you really, really follow wouldn't dare reach out because they know exactly who I am now. And they know I am on the verge, but I won't. And I will show you while many of you are like, damn, that means they won. Wait, because I'm going to show you how way ahead of the game we are. Because like many of you said, damn, you guys had it all. Yes, we did. And yet they still look like they're winning. You know, what you see is 1% of what's really going on. Problem. They're in your campaign. They're in your campaign. Your White House. Your White House. In Congress. In Congress. Even your own family. Your own family. They whisper about you. They whisper about you. They leak, spin, lie. With so many leaks, you probably think it could be anyone. So many leaks. Donald, it could be anyone. It's everyone. It's everyone. Schmidt did not reject the notion that his group engages in what Miller referred to as psyops against the president. Now, how many of your people that you follow talk shit about the president's family? How many of those people you follow talk shit about a lot of his advisors? Ah. But without any basis, right? When I talk shit about Mattis, I waited. I waited because I believe in redemption. Because you always take someone at 100%. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I don't care what the press says. I don't care what your history they tell me says. I speak to you and I take you at 100%. It's up to you to keep yourself there. But when Mattis was gone, I had already had it ready to show you who he was. I didn't drop it any earlier than needed it be because I did not want to contribute to this PSYOP. Because all the people today PSYOPed you. The people you follow PSYOPed you. They PSYOPed you. Knowingly and willingly, of course. 
Schmidt says to the dispatch, to be inside his head and to fight him asymmetrically like that. Yes, absolutely. It's intentional and deliberate. Public relations expert Rob Stutzman stated, the PSYOP aspect of it against the president, what Lincoln does is obviously incredibly effective and has consequences probably. If you ask Brad Parscale. They're in your campaign. They're in your campaign. They expect you to lose. Expect you to lose. Stutzman suggests the Lincoln Project PSYOP was so effective it got Brad Parscale fired as Trump's campaign manager. Even the Public Affairs Council writes that whether the micro-targeting and real-time analytics the Lincoln Project used to such effectiveness in 2020 can be replicated by other groups remains to be seen. Oh wait, that's what Cambridge Analytica Wikistrat and Psy Group did, which got themselves and others in quite a lot of trouble with the Mueller investigation. Remember why I told you Roger Stone was rolled up in Manafort? Because they were involved in these companies during the McCain era. That's why. Regarding Cambridge Analytica, Wikistrat and Psy Group, advised by General Jones and Michael Hayden, were just subcontractors. General Jones, an advisor to these subcontractors, is the owner of Dynology, who actually pioneered the social media psychological warfare weapons in the first place. SCL Group, the parent company of Cambridge Analytica, began targeting elections early on and has engaged in psychological warfare in military contexts as a contractor for the American and British militaries during the Afghanistan War and the Iraq War, which happens to be part of the Iraq's contract, the Lincoln Group Project contract. It's kind of funny that the Lincoln Project sprung up out of the Lincoln Group Project, but a little over a decade later. Steve Schmidt, co-founder of the Lincoln Project, worked with Charlie Black, BKSH and Associates, and Rick Davis, 3EDC, in John McCain's 2008. And who was linked to 3EDC on their tax returns? That's right. It was Roger Stone. See how he was rolled up into it? Because what he did then, they rolled him up into the now. It doesn't mean that he did anything wrong because he didn't do anything wrong, but he was part of it. So they needed to parse through it and make sure. The one thing Roger Stone is, is loyal to the president, but he's not loyal to anyone else presidential campaign. Who's Charlie Black, you might ask? Was BKSH and Associates a subcontractor? Yeah, they were a subcontractor, actually, of the Lincoln Group. And who do you have with BKSH, right? You have many of the same players. He was a subcontractor through BKSH and Associates of the Lincoln Group project where he, as a political campaign strategist, got to play as defense contractor specializing in information operations. Until they got busted for disseminating fake news and paying journalists to spread propaganda. In McCain's campaign, Schmidt worked alongside Rick Davis as co-manager. According to Charlie Black, another top advisor to McCain at the time, Davis was in charge and Steve is going to function under Rick, Black said. Rick still has authority over all things. Steve works for Rick. In other words, Steve Schmidt was Rick Davis's little bitch. Just saying.
you have done work for um, the same institution that uh, Don McCain is getting Barack Obama for in Kaisville. I don't think the First Amendment gives protections for military-grade psychological warfare to be used against U.S. citizens, let alone the President of the United States, to influence an election. According to the Department of Defense, U.S. PSYOP forces are not to target U.S. citizens at any time, in any location globally, or under any circumstance. There are acts of Congress against the use of propaganda against U.S. citizens. Hey, Steve Schmidt, did Rick Davis ever mention to you that you were using taxpayer-funded commercialized tactical social media warfare weapons on U.S. citizens? It was very illegal. Steve Schmidt resigned Friday after reports surfaced that leaders were aware of harassment allegations against co-founder John Weaver. News broke over the weekend that the FBI is now investigating. Most of their money went to voter content. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that term. Nicole Wallace, who used to work. Voter information, voter content. Work with John Weaver on the McCain campaign, had Lincoln Project co-founders and members mm -hmm. on her on her show. I don't know. A lot of went to their LLCs, Steve Schmidt's LLC, SES. Where was Steve Schmidt before the Lincoln Project? Vice chairman of Edelman, the largest public relations firm globally. The American people have lost faith in the media. Whose founder was an army psychological operations tactician who openly applied the skills to his PR firm. Doing the psychological warfare thing was fascinating. Let's not forget John Weaver, who... Hold on. Let me just show you now. You can watch the rest. This is where I want to get to you so you can understand. While all of you lack faith. Ice chairman. So you see Steve Schmidt. He worked at Edelman. Those of you that have been listening to me know what. I have told you that I had done many internships, right? Well, one of those internships was at Edelman. Hold on. Let me show you, because I dug up a few of them, and I wanted to show you this. So this is my telegram. Here we go. I want you guys um, to see this. Oh, can you see it? Um, it's not showing. Evidence how I infiltrated Edelman is not showing. Let me see. It's comments. Let me see if I can go... To, let me just re-forward it to the group and boom. And so I'm going to go down and see if I can make it big. I cannot. Damn it. That sucks. That sucks. That sucks. I'm going to see how I can get it up on the screen for you guys. Hold on. Um, let me see. Let me see if I can get this up for a second. Because I want you guys to see just what date I had gotten in there. And I think I told you the reason that I went there was because um, I wanted to uh, see what they were doing with South Africa and what happened in South Africa. What happened in South Africa is that the UN and Interpol had shifted uh, their... Um, uh, uh, say it, their um, operations to South Africa from Europe. And that's quite important. And so the only way that I could do it was by a 
applying for a job and pulling whatever resources I had so that way I can uh, penetrate the organization. Give me a second. I mean, I did my job. Hold on. I think I found a way to bring this up so you guys can see it. All right. Here we go. Um, all right. So here it is. Let's see if I can zoom in for you guys. I want you to see the date. 27th of August 2013. I actually started there in May of 2013. So I actually work for them. My uh, my name, as you know, is um, Terpsy Hori, spelled on the screen. So, um, you know, shortening it with a Y as the last letter of the alphabet, Terpsy. Uh, so this is um, what I, that was my email. Um, I worked for them. And the only reason I worked for them was to um, um, observe and understand um, what they were doing because Edelman um, bought out uh, the largest South African um, PR firm there was. And for me, that was scary. That was very, very scary because um, it's, um, it's quite telling um, you know, when a firm like that um, purchases something so massive, uh, so massive. So I just wanted to show for those doubters just um, how real operations work and how you can prepare yourself for anything. So if I was doing this in 2013... And it's 2021 now, Steve. I guess, um, you know, we've got this under control. Do you see what I'm trying to say? We've got this under control if we've known about this for over seven years. Of Edelman, the largest public relations firm globally. The American people have lost faith in the media. Whose founder was an army psychological operations tactician who openly applied these skills to his PR firm. Doing the psychological warfare thing was fascinating. Let's not forget John Weaver, who recently gained notoriety over attempted exploits of young men as young as 14 years old. Let's not forget that according to a 2004 article in The Atlantic, Rove allegedly spread rumors that Weaver had made a pass at a young man at a state Republican function. At the time, Rove's allegations were considered to be untrue. Meanwhile, there are strong rumors about Ali Akbar and Karl Rove having an affair back in 2012. There's even a book written about it alleging Ali, aka Tiny Prancer, and Karl Rove had met up on Backpage and... You can have whatever conversation you want with someone who's 17. You can have any conversation you want with someone who's 17. Hold on, hashtag... Oh, hashtag no cuddles.
remember his Instagram has a picture of a 12 year old boy um, where he uh, tells the world that, um, you know, his best friend is a 12 year old. So I, I wanted people to understand that, like you can see, we've had it all. And like you can see, um, the world has been trying to suffocate this knowledge, suffocate this knowledge from the people. And it's not just, um, and it's not just the left, it's the right. Because infiltration is huge. The minute they can earwig something, that's it. Did you guys notice that Ali Akbar met his boyfriend, Karl Rove, on Backpage? You know, that place where child pornography, where they took that the, all their servers down? So funny, isn't it? But I want you to know, here's where Pandora tells you there is hope. Because if I was there in 2013 paying attention, that's because I already knew. They had a plan. And that plan could have changed if the people were able to move it into a faster course, into a faster course, frustrated, because this could have been over two years ago, could have been over three years ago. But unfortunately, we don't make those decisions. We try, right? We try. When you know what's coming, you try. Fixed points in time do not evaporate. They are simply pushed back, back, and back. They cannot be extinguished. And you know, I'm a person that doesn't have a lot of patience, and I like to steer things a lot faster. So rather than drip, drip, I came out onto the radio real quick to open eyes so that people can see it because now you can see it. You're being consumed. You are not a consumer. You are being consumed. You are in charge of everything. You are so prized to them because without you, they are nothing. They consume you. They consume you. This is why I get so frustrated and so angry is because it's like, it's like Superman no, not knowing that he can lift the building and you're like, just do it. And you're just like, oh, I don't know. Like, um, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, so I'm actually very impatient, but you know, God decides uh, how much more it needs to be, be dragged out. It's like, you know, when you, when you think of things that happened to you in the past, bad things, you're just like, oh, if I only had done this, I would have been out of that rut earlier. If I only done this, I would have been done earlier. But then if you think about it, you're like, well, if I wasn't in that rut for a week or a month or a year, I would not have learned X, Y, Z lesson. So again, who, who in their right mind believes that they are the underdog? How are you the underdog? You're 120 million strong. 120 million strong. So tonight we're going to have a movie night. And I'll give you a precursor. One thing that um, uh, a lot of people have never heard about is how to find 
flow. And there's um, a guy named Michali, excuse me, Michali, Michali, sorry. And I'll tell you what, Edelman loves this guy. He praises this guy. Why? Because he teaches people how to be productive. So I'm going to show you this clip. And then after that, for my peeps on Twitch, we will be doing the raid on Trovo. There isn't really anything except for games to raid. So I'm still looking out for it though. So take a listen to this. This is very, very eye-opening. Focus. The zone, aka flow. A state you're in when nothing in the world matters. You're so focused on what you're doing that everything else falls away. I get my flow from running. The wind blowing through my hair, arms pumping at my sides, and feet hitting the pavement. I noticed when I got into the zone, I was happy, excited, productive, and content. I'm not the only one. Athletes, artists, musicians have talked about this feeling of flow. We've all felt it. World-renowned psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi discovered and coined the term flow and has dedicated his life to doing research on flow and how it leads to a happier, more fulfilled life. I had the honor of speaking with the man himself. Can you just give a quick summary of what flow is? It's the feeling that we get when we get uh, completely immersed in what you're doing. So you're focusing all your attention on something that you want to experience. And uh, it's what makes life kind of really interesting and worth living. Csikszentmihalyi, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who's sort of the godfather of flow psychology. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Now, this author's name is Mihai. His book is called Flow. You can also watch his TED Talk. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi is kind of a big deal. And in our search for flow, my team and I reached out to the founding father himself. We scheduled a Skype interview, but experienced some technical difficulties. So we set out to meet the professor, psychologist, and author at his office at Claremont Graduate University. Last year when I was asked uh, to Budapest to uh, talk with the prime minister and plan how to change the educational system in uh, Hungary, the prime minister and uh, Viktor Orban, this is the president of the country. It's not just human beings who feel it. I noticed we had a hunting dog, and when we were in Chicago in the city, he was always kind of bored. But you took him out in the forest and he became a different animal because all of his genetic equipment was focused on the smell and the lights of the foliage in the trees. Living beings like to live. They like to be involved in what happens in the world with their body, with their mind, with their attention. So this is what I gave the name flow to. Besides neural anatomical changes in flow, there are neurochemical changes, right? The brain produces a giant cascade of neurochemistry. You get norepinephrine, dopamine, anandamide, serotonin, and endorphins. All five of these are performance enhancing neurochemicals. 
The neurochemicals released during the flow state make us feel like our senses are heightened, just like the hunting dog in the forest. Norepinephrine and dopamine enable the brain to take in more information, process it more deeply and quickly. Ever notice that when you're in flow, you can suddenly link ideas together and see patterns you couldn't before? Lomachenko with the right hand. Koasicha being dominated here. He was losing to Selby and Whale. These chemicals lower signal-to-noise ratio, so you detect more patterns. At the same time, the neurochemical anandamine promotes lateral thinking. Lateral thinking is a linking of very incompatible ideas together, so you're making all kinds of connections. I think it was in one of your books. A good way to sum up flow is you stay in the present, but you also focus on your long-term goals as well. You can be in flow without thinking about long-term goals, but the ideal is to find flow in things that will grow and that will make you a better musician or a better athlete or a better whatever you find flow. You can stay at the same level without getting bored after a while. You have to have higher challenge, higher challenge, higher challenge. But to have a higher challenge and be in flow, you have to have higher skills. Really, flow is the mechanism for growth. It's amazing uh, when we started studying people who have normal, uh, regular jobs, you find that among the people who do that kind of job, some are in flow most of the time because they are able to focus on the goal and what they want to do. And it may be, you know, an assembly line worker who has to do one movement every 48 seconds. Some of those people are able to have a higher goal, a more co complex uh, challenge. Now they do it a little faster or a little more precisely. In order to get to the flow state, there must be a balance between the challenge of the task and the skill of the performer. If the challenge is too low and you have low skills, you feel apathetic. If the challenge is low and you have mediocre skills, you feel boredom. But if the task is too challenging and you have low skills, you arouse feelings of anxiety. It's about finding the sweet spot. Flow shows up best when the challenge of the task at hand slightly exceeds your skill set. The challenge must be adjusted in order to keep you in flow. The concept of flow is an autotelic concept. Yeah. Even though often you do it in an exotelic context. For instance, a surgeon a surgeon gets paid because he saves the life of a patient. But a good surgeon does surgery because he enjoys helping a person or making a person whole again. And so you um, do an exotelic job because you get paid from the external world, you're recognized. But a good surgeon really does it for autotelic reasons. Unfortunately, most people do their job only because of the exotelic, the external reward. <laughs>
Do you think that flow can ever be a negative thing? People find these experiences really addictive and they, they orient their lives around having these experiences. There are people who get flow from hurting other people or from stealing. One of my students did an interesting study of, of flow among thieves. Unless you begin to experience flow with your children, with your spouse, that can become your whole life. In your book, Creativity, Flow, and the Psychology of Discovery and Invention, you say it is easier to enhance creativity, changing conditions in the environment, than by trying to make people think more creatively. One of the ways that people show creativity is by changing their environment, their job, their family environment, whatever changing them so that it produces more flow. Isn't it, it is weird how certain songs will trigger like some sort of inspirational creativity inside of you. In a series of lab and semi-field experiments conducted by Juliet Zhu, it was found that environmental factors like lighting, ceiling height, music, background color, and number of people surrounding you affects a person's creativity. They found that creativity reaches peak levels when background noise is at about 70 to 80 decibel points. Too much or even too little noise are not ideal. Lighting. In a dimly lit room, people were found to be more creative and were able to make more lateral, meaning unrelated and complex connections. What do you think the future looks like for us with the advancement of technology, how quickly we're moving? We'll have difficulties, but I think the human, we are equipped to learn to move with this. I got letters from generals in the Air Force who read my book and said, is this really applicable? Our problem is that we are training people for the in the Air Force to go into space. They will be alone in the space shuttle for weeks and weeks and we are afraid that they will go out of the mind or something and uh, or the navy have similar problems that we have these highly trained sailors some of the the ships have to uh, go in the ocean for months. I have two or three former students who are working in the Navy. They are officers in the Navy and all they do is try to apply what they learn to flow in the, in the Navy. There's always new situations as technology becomes more and more pervasive. Well, thank you so much. So um, this is just an introduction for you guys to understand. Remember when President Trump said, find something you love and um, you will do it so well. Again, you know, getting back to what I've said, human beings are like a program. There is a certain sweet spot all of us have. There are some people that love repetition, right? You get off on it. You need to have this arousal right? Remember that really sick series called um, Dexter? 
where he would get aroused by killing people. That was his flow. You know, he could have been aroused by being a butcher rather than killing people, but he chose to do it on people because he was also, uh, you know, made that connection of, um, you know, liking, you know, because they were evil, he was also getting, uh, you know, equal, you know, equal footing, right? So he uh, excused it being humans rather than he would have been probably the best butcher ever, right? If he opened up a butcher shop and sold lamb and beef and, and, and piggy and whatever, right? So um, finding your flow is finding what is good for you. Some people work at night better than they do during the day. Some people like bright lights. Some people like low lights, right? For you, right? You have many things that you need to find that sweet spot for. What is your sweet spot? Repetitive? Oh, great. Then you do great at a manufacturing plant where you're packing things because you're like, I'm in the zone. I got my AirPods in and I'm just packing stuff. I enjoy it. I don't mind it. It's eight hours of my day where I'm just killing it and I don't care. Uh, you know what? I like to organize stuff. I get off on organizing. Great. You'd be a great office manager, this, that. You know, you find your sweet spot and you do it, right? You find it and you do it. And you just get into the groove of doing it. You know, they, every single program is different. So when you come here and you are activated within this reality construct, you need to find that in order to see what your part in the bigger program and plan is. But all of us have one responsibility that is equal among all. And that is to find your flow as a citizen. Nothing is above your skill set because everyone has the same job. Nothing is below your skill set. It's all about finding the right flow and ability to hone in on it. That's the way it is. You know, some people love teaching, so they're great teachers. You know, other people have zero patience with kids. Therefore, no good. <laughs> you know, this is it. We need to know ourselves. This kicks back to knowing who you are. Because once you understand who you are, once you look in that mirror and know all the good and the bad, guess what happens? Oh, suddenly everything starts to click into place. Your gut, your gut is then perfect on point, and you can see everything from what it is. And no matter what reality construct, whatever um, uh, reality, a fabric of reality they've weaved around you, you see right past it because you're already in your zone. Um, so I want you to understand that. You need to find your zone in order to do that. You need to be able to understand you and what makes you tick. And once you trust your gut, you also inevitably know what makes you tick. So, uh, you know, that's something that because we're bombarded with so much marketing, so much media influence, you know, we're losing the plot. We're not seeing it uh, because of that bombardment. So on that note, I'm going to let you guys go for the day and we will be... Um, uh, rating DJ Steph on a hump day. It is the hump day. Wow. It's still Wednesday, isn't it? How long is that week? Told you. So while you see them having one, remember I was already mitigating in 2013. On that note, setting a fire in your heart is exactly that. Getting you aroused to find your sweet spot. I don't Want to set the world 
Sorry.